You are listening to the Her Money Matters Podcast, episode 64. Welcome to the Her Money Matters Podcast, the podcast to help you take control of your finances. Join your host, motivational money coach, Jen Hemphill, as she shares with you practical, simple money insights and real-life stories by women like you. Let's get to it. Welcome. I am so glad and grateful that you are here, and hopefully you are listening to this episode comfortably within the air conditioning, especially if it's summer for you. I know here in the D.C. area, it's been unbearably hot. Of course, if you know me and if you've been following me for a while, you know that I don't do well with extreme temperatures. But let me give you a little illustration of how hot it's been so you feel my pain. (laughs) Outside, it's felt like when we lived in Arizona. So for those of you that have lived in Arizona or have visited Arizona, you know the how hot it can get there. But add the humidity that we get here in the southeastern states, plus the Arizona heat. That's how it has felt here. So just wanted to share that so you can feel my pain. Now I feel better. So I also want to invite you to join us in the conversations happening in our free community over at jenhempill.com forward slash community. Besides those conversations that we are having in there, we're actually going to be starting a virtual mixer. So that's going to be a lot of fun. It's not going to necessarily be all money talk. We're just going to get to know each other. So how fun is that, that you're surrounding yourself with like-minded women and you're, you've are you been connecting with them in the Facebook group and you've been engaging in money conversations, but we're going to take it outside of the Facebook group. And we're going to get to know each other. So it's going to be a lot of fun. So if you want to be a part of that, join us in the Facebook group. It's again at jenhempill.com forward slash community. So now let's get to today's guest. I have a significant number of single ladies as listeners. So I'm grateful for that because I feel like you're telling me that I'm I look or sound super young, which I I'll take that as a compliment. And you have been asking me to do an episode for you. So here it is. I have found that person to introduce you to. What you'll learn in today's episode, we're going to learn about her reflection on the extra added cost as a single person. She's going to tell us about the investment she made that literally paid when she got laid off in 2008. And she's going to share the one key thing budgeting brings out in you and why it is even more important on one income. And then she's going to talk about long-term disability and her thoughts on why it's so necessary for the single woman. So let me share with you a little bit about Jessica. Jessica Garbarino is the founder and owner of Every Single Dollar, a company dedicated to helping single women navigate the world of personal finance. She realized that she was experiencing a financial hangover in the early 30s after the lifestyle choices in her 20s caused her to rack up debt. After paying over $56,000 of debt, she felt called to teach other single women how to manage their money, pay off debt, and instill financial confidence. She offers individual financial coaching, speaks on personal finance, and writes and produce video on various financial topics with the single woman in mind. And Jessica lives a debt-free life in sunny South Florida. So let's go ahead and meet Jessica. 
Welcome, Jessica Garbarino. I'm so excited to have you on this podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to talk to you, and I hope I can help out some of your listeners today. Oh, I'm sure you can because I definitely have. I've attracted some fabulous single ladies, and. Even though I can talk about personal finance until I'm blue in the face, <laughs> I I can't speak to the single woman perspective. I don't think, which I think is important. I was, as I was mentioning to you before uh, we started recording, I wasn't single too much or on my own uh, to really experience what it's like. Uh, so I just felt it was important to have someone on the podcast that can speak to that and that is in that field and teaches single women about personal finance. So I'm definitely excited as to the conversation we're going to have today. Well, Jessica, I'd love to get to know more about you. Tell me a little bit about your money story. How did you grow up around money? Well, I am the oldest of seven children. So, wow. <laughs> yes. And yes, we had the same parents, all of us, because I do get that question from people. <laughs> so when I was growing up, money was always kind of a big deal because we had one income. My parent, my dad worked, my mom stayed at home. And so my parents were always very mindful about money. And I actually grew up around a very healthy financial environment. My parents used to have monthly budget meetings. They would go out for coffee and talk about the budget. My parents invested. They would talk to each other about investments my dad kind of handled the investment side more, my mom the budgeting, but they always talked about it together. Wow, and that's the, good. Yeah. Well, one of the one of the earliest memories I have about money is when I was a kid. I was probably, gosh, I was probably like eight or nine years old. And this is when people still got the newspaper every day. You know, <laughs> Nobody, I don't think anybody gets a daily newspaper anymore. But um, when I was a kid, you, the only way you could look up your stock quotes every day was in the daily paper. There was no internet to look up, you know, to see how your stocks or mutual funds had done. So my dad, knowing that I had an interest in finance, actually took it upon himself to um, show me how to read the stock quotes and his, his mutual funds. He actually showed me which mutual funds he was invested in. So each day when I'd come downstairs for breakfast in the morning, he and I used to like to get up early because we're not morning people, so we don't want to be around a lot of people. <laughs> um, we would go through the newspaper and he would ask me, so how did my mutual funds do today? So he would you know, check in on them and I would get the practice of looking it up. That so, is so awesome. Right. And I, I was just hooked as a kid. I thought it was fascinating. And, and I've always kind of had a love for personal finance. So it was something that kind of came naturally to me when I was younger. So what do you think helped you gravitate towards that? Was it just seeing your parents uh, have those I think you said monthly meetings. Was it seeing your mom doing the budget? Was it your dad looking at the paper? What do you think caused or really led you to the, your interest? Or I don't know because my parents are like my dad was a communications major in college. My mom was an art major. <laughs> like there oh, was interesting. No, like, there's no like. The, the banking financial side, I've been doing a lot of research on ancestry. I, my great-grandfather actually ran a bank in Pennsylvania. And then I've had other ancestors that were in the banking industry. So I think I got the freakish gene that came through <laughs> <laughs> and kind of surpassed everyone and came to me because I've just always had an interest in it. I've always thought business and finance were always really interesting topics and subjects. So I think that's just 
I think it was just in me. I think it was in my DNA. That's interesting. So your dad spoke to you or, or taught you some things as far as teaching you how to read the investment information on in the newspaper. Were there any other money conversations that you recall or maybe with your mom or any things, other things that they taught you growing up? I think in general, a lot of the conversations revolved around frugality with having a large family. So we knew how to stretch a dollar. My mom on grocery shopping trips, you know, we would try to figure out what were some of the best deals, you know, on whatever we were purchasing and going through like the weekly circulars to see what was on sale. And my mom would kind of gravitate towards that. My parents were also really big into gardening. We were one of those families on the, those freakish families on the block that had a compost pile in the (laughs) suburbs, which was a little weird (laughs) when I was growing up. It's probably more commonplace now. But my mom used to do a lot of canning. So I learned about, you know, we would go pick strawberries and she'd make homemade jam and she would cook a lot from scratch. So I had learned a lot of that money saving tips when I was a kid because of the way my parents needed to live with one income and having so many kids. So I think it was more of that frugality mindset that I, I don't think I appreciated it as a kid. And we can get into that more as you know, when I talk about some of my money story, but it's definitely something I'm now embracing in my thirties that I wish I would have in my twenties. Got it. And what would you say is, what do you do well with money? So now, mm-hmm. now what I do well with money is, is that I know, I know how to sacrifice in the short term for something in the long term. Tell us a little bit about that and what you mean by that. So a lot of my friends in my age group, I'm in my late thirties, they all have these, you know, great houses, they have amazing cars, they have, you know, stuff like all the stuff that kind of the Joneses all have. But right now, after paying off my debt and deciding to start my business, I realize that I'm going to have to sacrifice those things in the short term, some of those material things that maybe I want right now in order to grow my business and to have something that's going to pay off later. So I've learned kind of like that delayed gratification. Right. And I think I'm better at that than I used to be because I know what the end result is. And I just, I guess I don't care as much about the immediate wants as much as I used to. Right. And I think it also takes uh, discipline as well. Once you get over those, that immediate, especially at the beginning, if what's important is the immediate result or what the instant gratification, uh, it takes some uh, discipline. But I think over time and once your priorities shift, it makes it uh, a lot easier to do for sure. Yeah, I think part of it, too, is just getting older and realizing that that stuff doesn't mean as much to you anymore like it used to. The other part of it is, is after paying off the debt that I did, I saw how much work it took to pay that off. So you get a different appreciation. At least I did in my mind. I had a different appreciation as to what things really cost because I knew the time and the effort it took me to pay off the debt. So right. to me, it's, it's not worth going back into debt or I look at things and I think of it in terms of how much work is that to get that item. Makes sense. And what do you, would you say are the challenges that you have around money? Hmm. I think I still, I still struggle a little bit with like small impulse spending. 
not some of the big stuff, but I have to be careful about the small little things that can eat away at your budget. Like when you stop at a store, you know, Target's infamous for this, right? You stop <laughs> yes. it for one thing and you walk out with $100 worth of stuff that you didn't think you need, but at the moment exactly. you thought it was important. I've had to really stick myself on a cash budget by, you know, for things that I'm paying like my rent and things that I can automate, I put that on auto payment. But things like eating out, my groceries, I really try to pay in cash because I need kind of that mental, like this is where, this is finite. This is exactly what you can spend. This is it so that I don't overspend. I still have an issue with kind of that day-to-day spending a little bit. And that's how what I've used to rein it in. That's good. That's good. I know it's interesting how with some people, cash is what they they do. And I know for me, it doesn't work. (laughs) So it's just interesting how our minds work so differently. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit, you being a single woman, tell us how you met. Just give us a quick snippet in a span of like 30 days. How do you manage uh, the finances at home? Do you sit down once a month, every week? So tell us a little bit about how that works. If you use any, uh, whether you use a spreadsheet, whether you use some sort of app, software, those type of things. So I'm an accountant by trade. So I definitely am an Excel nerd. (laughs) I love using my spreadsheet. So I have a budget. I kind of do between a budget and a forecast because I'll kind of forecast out the next couple of months just to see where I'm heading towards. And again, that's just part of being an accountant. We forecast that kind of stuff being in finance. But what I generally do in a given month is I'll sit down and I'll say, okay, what do I have planned for this month? Because usually you kind of know what you're doing, you know, if you have events or things going on. And I kind of have what I have as more of like a static budget of things that are kind of my givens, like... Mm-hmm you know, whatever you have to make your monthly payments on. And then I will add in certain items that I need. Like if I know I'm going to a party or if I know I'm going to, you know, if I'm going to be out of town, I have to budget more money for travel, that sort of thing. I'll make tweaks to that particular month. And then as I'm going through the month, I will, for most of it, I'm checking kind of my bank account just to make sure all the automatic payments are coming out. Mm-hmm. Every couple of days, I'll just, you know, scan through to make sure everything's coming out as I think it's supposed to and the dollar amount <laughs> that I think needs to, because that's where you can get caught in in estimating something or not knowing your bills well enough to know whether or not a, a dollar amount is out of whack or not. I've had surprises that have come up that I, because I'm, keeping track of it and keeping an eye on it, I can kind of immediately curtail any issue with a payment or withdrawal coming out of my account. Do you go, th- do you just kind of check weekly or how do you go when you check? I Because right now with the, I'm working a contract job right now, mm-hmm. I get paid weekly. So I am looking at stuff weekly because I'm thinking, okay, this, this check, I'm paying this, this, and this. So I would expect those payments to come out. So I am kind of checking every couple of days just to see that the amounts that I think were supposed to come out are. Right. That's just my way of monitoring it. Makes sense. But I'm such an app person, you know, we're always on our phone. So it's so easy to bring up my banking information with my app. Right. Is that what you use uh, your banking app most often? I use it for everything. I mean, Mm -hmm. I even deposit checks. I don't know the last time I've actually been to my bank. (laughs) They probably don't even wouldn't even recognize me if I walked in the door. Oh, Um, that's funny. 
Because I, I mean, the only time I've, I think I've gone there is if I need like a cashier's check or a money order for some, you know, something that is required for it. But I never go to my bank. No, I, I love our, our bank, uh, in the app because I can mm-hmm. see how I've organized the money because uh, I have like a, envelope system, just a virtual one. So I can see our financial goals, like the things for our our trips and all that other stuff. So I love just being it because I can look and I can just glaze, um, glance, not glaze, glance at it. (laughs) Sometimes you glaze over. Yeah, glaze over it, uh, glance at it quickly and just see what's going on. So yeah, for me, the bank app is is what I use. Uh, So tell us a little bit about your proudest money moment. Well, I can actually even tell you the day that it was. Oh, that's <laughs> so proud. That's great. I call it kind of like my second birthday. And it was March 5th of 2015 when I officially paid off $56,000 of debt. Woo-hoo. So that was that was when I made my last student loan payment. Oh, and I, I was so happy to make that last payment. I just, I couldn't believe it. I was ecstatic. So that was definitely my proudest moment uh, money wise in my life so far. That's awesome. Well, it is, is definitely one to be proud of because, Oh, those student loans. Oh, we can go on about those. (laughs) They followed me out of my MBA program for a long time. So I I, think that wasn't all MBA. I mean, that was like 29 of it was an MBA loan and then 13 of it was a car and 14 of it was credit card. So I, I had a good mix of things that were in there. Right. But you paid it off and it's done. It's done. <laughs> it's done. <laughs> That's awesome. Who would you say influenced you the most in the area of money? Well, outside of my parents, since mm-hmm. they were kind of my initial teachers, what got me actually started on the whole money journey was I was watching my grandmother balance her checkbook and she's meticulous. She's, if, if it's off a penny, she goes bananas. <laughs> And when I was watching her, I was thinking, you know, these, my, my grandparents came from Cuba in 1962 and they gave up everything and had to start over at zero in their late thirties. And I just thought to myself, like, I heard all the stories of the struggles that they had coming to the U S with no money, didn't know the language, but you know, they worked so crazy hard. There was one year where they paid off $55,000 off their mortgage. Wow. And I just thought to myself, like, this is crazy. Like, I can't believe I'm being this irresponsible with my money that I'm wasting the opportunity that they sacrificed for. And that's really what made the catalyst for me to make a financial change and what got me started on my debt-free journey. So maybe the other influential one outside of my parents and grandparents were... um, I mean, my friend then got me started on Dave Ramsey. She was taking Financial Peace University, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I jumped in with both feet like on fire. This, that guy got me just totally revved up about paying off my debt. And so I do owe a lot to getting on that program, to getting out of debt. Now being away from the program, there's things I agree with him. There's things I don't agree with him. But I will say that he was very, very influential in me paying off my debt and actually having the motivation, at least the initial motivation to do so. Right. And and I agree. I think Dave Ramsey does does a job. There's I've spoken in, in interviews with clients. 
that if they put those methods to work, it works. So if you mm-hmm. do the, take do those steps, it works. So whether you agree you know, with anybody, and he's like one of those personalities that you really like, or or he antagonizes people, right? right? But <laughs> right. at the end of the day, he's helped a lot of people, and a lot right. of people have gotten out of debt just based on his teachings. So that says a lot, right? Well, (laughs) and and I think what he does, what's really, what was kind of crucial for me is he really got into the emotional part of it. Like he really gets you revved up emotionally. And that's what the behavior change is what people have, um, have to do to, to get started, I think. So I think he's an expert at getting people fired up about their money. Yes. Absolutely. So let's talk about a little bit about your work and why did you decide to focus on the single woman? I mean, I know you're a single woman, but why did you think it was uh, so important? Because of course the concepts are the same and I, but I know the situations and the scenarios are different uh, for each person. So tell us about uh, what are some challenges? Well, one, why do you, let's start (laughs) <laughs> Let me retract because I'm okay. asking you too many questions. Uh, so tell me a little bit about why you decided to focus on the single woman and teaching them personal finance. So I think when I was going through my personal finance journey of getting out of debt, while it was great with the Dave Ramsey program, he's definitely focused on married couples or families. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think everyone can agree that that was, that's his focus. Yes. And that's great. You know what? Because that's, that's where he comes from. That's his perspective. He's married. He has kids. It makes total sense. But when I was getting out of debt, I did lose motivation throughout the process. And I think part of the problem was, is that I didn't have anyone in the marketplace that I could identify with. I mean, in his program, he does talk about relationships a little bit. But when he talked about single people, he was like, get an accountability partner. And I'm like, great, you just didn't address what I needed you to address. So there's a whole lot more to it than just that, because I don't want to just open up my finances to like family and friends. That's very personal. It, It can make for very weird conversations and make you feel very awkward around those people. So I wanted to create an environment that was conducive to the single. Before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you. Woman addressed her needs, addressed some of her emotional fears and worries about finances, and just to have someone to be their cheerleader and encouragement and someone who says, you know, I've walked in your shoes. I know what it feels like to try to make these large money decisions all by yourself. It can be very overwhelming and exhausting. And at the end of the day, it's all on you. And that's, that's a lot to carry, I think, sometimes. And I don't think people realize that when they're talking about personal finance to women. I agree. I mean, just just hearing you talk, I definitely agree. So what would you say are the needs and some of the challenges that single women face that we don't necessarily acknowledge uh, as the general population? Well, I think part of it is I get some questions about certain like financial products or certain things. Like the biggest thing I always have come up is, is do I need life insurance? I mean, I don't have dependent, especially single women that don't have children. Like, do I need life insurance? Because I have no one depending on my income. So I get questions like that. And, 
you know, I tell them, well, if you have debt and if you passed away and someone had to take care of your affairs, would there be money left over to pay for your final, you know, burial? You know, you start getting into that and they have mm-hmm. to really think about what would happen if something happened to me, what would the consequences be? The other thing I talk about, too, is long-term disability. I mean, yes, you may have family that can step in and help you, but who's going to take who's going to cover the costs of taking care of you? Yes. Which is why I am strongly, strongly urge women, single women to get long-term disability. I carry my own policy, my own private policy myself, because I know it's that important. It's not, it's not the least expensive insurance, but let me tell you that it's probably even more important than the life insurance policy. So there's things like that, that, need to get addressed through the, a different filter than you would mm. if you were married with children. You you just think about things a little differently. I think the other part of it is, is that I think women are very uncomfortable talking about personal finances, yes, especially <laughs> when they're by themselves and have no one else to bounce anything off with. Um, I had a client that I was talking to a couple of weeks ago and she said, I've told you more than I've told my financial advisor. I've opened up to you more because it was almost more like girlfriends having a conversation than feeling like it was some sort of formal thing that they feel like they need to have all the information. Right. And it's so crazy you mentioned that because in the group I was asking what kind of questions that they have for you. And one of the things that she mentioned was that, you know, one of the reasons she loves the group um, because as a single woman, because she doesn't have people to talk to the, about the financial stuff. And so it just feels helpful to talk about things and get a second opinion and learn from others. So um, uh, definitely, um, I love that. And so tell us, because uh, I do have some questions. I don't know if you addressed all the d- challenges that you wanted to address. That the- um, I think the other thing is, is that Women are definitely more relational and emotional when it comes to a lot of these, you know, when it comes to money. Just from observing, like, my dad, he was definitely more – I don't want to say practical. That sounds like – that's a horrible word. But he could kind of divorce emotion from it where I think we as women – you talk think about retail therapy. Mm-hmm. You talk about things like, you know – a lot of the activities that we spend money on as women revolve around social situations, like going out to eat or socializing. We're very social creatures. So I think part of it is that you have to address the emotional side of it and recognize that it's not all just head knowledge. There's heart knowledge and there's behavior that goes along with addressing finances, especially when you're single. Absolutely. And at the end of the day, you don't know well, maybe you plan to be single for the rest of your life, or maybe you don't, but you're dependent on you. And like you said, the long-term disability, potentially life insurance. I think the emergency fund is more important than ever. Uh, Absolutely. Just because if something happens, it's your income. That's that's all that you're reliant on. Uh, so I think you definitely brought up uh, some great points. So uh, tell us what would be your best practice or practices for living in this, quote unquote, two income world on one income. That's an interesting question, because I I mean, I know people that only live on one income as a family, so I'm not sure if there's an expectation about how to how people 
have a certain level of lifestyle. Right. I guess it also depends on career choice too. I mean, um, I'm, I definitely see there's, there are women that have careers that generally have lower incomes, at least some of the ones that I've worked with. And so you're definitely having to watch your spending differently. I think you have to be a little more careful. I often think sometimes being single, there's almost an extra added cost too, because you're not spreading it over several people. You just have one person who's absorbing all of the cost. Whereas if you were in a relationship and you you know, were married or whatever, and you had two incomes coming in, you could maybe spread the cost a little differently. So... I guess I'm not really sure about that question. The only thing I would say is that you need to, when I was getting out of debt, I I had an extra job. I actually took on an extra job because A, I had time and B, I wanted to get out of debt a lot faster. So I think there's ways too that if you find you're really passionate about something, I have a client right now, she teaches in a great school, but then on the side, she has a photography business because she really enjoys it. And it's a great way for her to supplement her income. So I guess you can think of it as how do you want your life to be? And then you need to kind of back into that from an income standpoint of how you're going to get there. And it doesn't have to be with one job. I know people who have several jobs that are very happy because they have a variety of interests and they have a variety of things going on in their life. So I think you can really kind of design it however you want it to be. I don't think there has to be the status quo of, of what an income looks like. Right. And I think it's also the perspective. Like you right. mentioned, the lifestyle, what your perspective is on what this income should look like. Uh, right as well. And as you mentioned, I know you mentioned something very interested. There's almost, you mentioned that it's like you almost have an extra added cost for being single because it is just you. So if you have the a mortgage uh, payment, mm-hmm. it's all on you versus you and a spouse or a partner. Mm-hmm. So um, definitely. Now, has there been, um, because, you know, you're on one income, it has there been a decision that you've made that has been beneficial, but at the time maybe sounded irrelevant or maybe it was a risky decision, but it was a good decision in the end based on that you just were relying on that one income. I guess I've always been so, I don't know if we as women have a little bit more of like this need for safety and security, (laughs) (laughs) but I've always you know, kept like one eye. I've never kind of like stayed stagnant in a job. Like I knew that, I know that in corporate America, like your job is never totally secure because there can always be layoffs and there can always be something that happens. So I've always been very proactive in trying to network and keep connections so that if something did happen, I would have something to, a network to fall back on. I will tell you, I had a kind of a very scary moment that I didn't, but this didn't catapult me into trying to pay off my debt, but I was laid off in 2008, like a lot of people were. And suddenly I was faced with all of these bills. I still had all my credit card debt, my student loans. This was definitely before I started paying off my debt. And I had this panicked moment. But the great thing is, is because I had invested all this time in networking and getting to know people and kind of, you know, treating people the way I would want to be treated and always kind of doing more above and beyond, it came back to me with people offering me all sorts of leads and connections on jobs. And I literally landed into a job as my severance was running out. Wow, that's beautiful. Right. So 
I guess maybe the, that whole networking side was part of it because I think a lot of people look at me, would look at me and go, oh, you're just, and I thought kind of it at the time too, oh, I'm just having fun. I'm kind of, you know, I'm meeting people. I just, I'm very outgoing and I like to talk <laughs> to people. But man, did that save me in the end when t- times got tough and I needed to find another job. So I think it moves beyond just your personal finances, but your career part as well. Right. And I think that's, you brought up just a key point uh, that's not necessarily just for finances, but obviously it worked to your favor. Um, but just connecting with people and the relationships that you have with people are just so important uh, just to have those connections, the relationships, because you just never know. I, obviously, it helped you <laughs> down. You invested your time in those connections and those relationships. Uh, so I think that's beautiful. Now, because it is just you, uh, what do you say about budgeting? Like if you have a, it's just you, you're um, you have your income, you've got maybe it's just some simple expenses. Do you have any specific rules on budgeting that you use? Or do you feel that if it's just a simple the income and just some expensive, if it, is it okay not to budget? I think what budgeting does, especially for a single woman, is it makes you pay attention. Because I think if I would have paid attention in my 20s to what I was spending, I would have made a lot different choices. I was very disconnected. I didn't do a budget. I would create budgets and then not look at them. Like I was Mm. great at creating budgets. I was really (laughs) bad at following through with them. This, the accountant, right? (laughs) Do as I say and not as I do. But I think what it does is it forces you to pay attention because you can have things that come into your, you know, into your financial life that weren't unexpected. And if you're not paying attention, you're not even going to recognize it. And then all of a sudden you're overdrawn on your account and you wonder what the heck happened. Right. For example, like when your insurance rates go up and if you're not paying attention to the emails coming in that are notifying you that the rates are going up, you could be in for a big surprise. Like right. last year, I took a look at my rates and I thought, this is insane. Like my car insurance keeps going up. And then I finally went out and shopped it and I saved $1,800 this past year just by being aware and being cognizant of what was happening with my finances. It also helps you to pay attention like when you have rent increases, when you have just increases in daily life. And it kind of gives you a good track record to see kind of what's going on in your life. Because even if you think you have a simple budget, life will come at you. Mm -hmm. It will. I mean, I don't care who you are. Life is not perfectly static where it's going to follow your budget every month. That's just not going to happen. So I think budgeting is even more important when you're single to make you pay attention to what you're spending. I like those points. I really love those points, especially your point on being aware of when your car insurance was going up so that way you can shop around and save yourself some money (laughs) Uh, before it went up. So uh, that is definitely, it makes you pay attention. I like that. So how about, let's talk about negotiating. Um, as a Latina myself, I love negotiating. So what would your, what are your best tips on negotiating, whether your uh, salary or whether maybe some lower rates for a credit card, other money related savings? What, what do you, what kind of tips do you have? I think where I've excelled in it is more on my career side. You need to know especially in the job market, you need to know what you're worth out in the job market. And I think a lot of women don't do their homework to find out 
what really is the going market rate. The employers sometimes, and I, I don't know if they're trying to do it purposely or not, but I think some companies don't think that women are doing enough of their homework, and they're probably not. So mm-hmm. if you go out in the marketplace, you find out what, there's lots of resources nowadays. You go on to something like Glassdoor, or you can even go into some of the job search boards, and you can find out what salaries certain jobs are are commanding. I think having that information helps you when you go into the negotiation process. I would say never take the first offer. (laughs) You should definitely do some back and forth in negotiating. And don't always look at it as just the salary. Like I think people get hung up sometimes just on the salary part of it. I think you need to look at at its entirety of what they're offering. The benefits, yep. Absolutely, especially when it comes to healthcare. That is a huge piece that could make or break what you're moving toward. Because I've been in situations where I had a job opportunity. It sounded awesome. I was making more money. And then I looked at the benefits and I was either getting worse benefits or they were more expensive. Mm. And it just didn't make sense for me financially. And I actually used that as a leverage point when I came back to negotiate. I would say, look, I know you're you're giving me, you know, I'm this is what you're offering as far as my salary is concerned. But I have to tell you, these healthcare expenses are a lot higher than what I was expecting. So what can we do to make this so that it works for both of us? You know, you really, and I don't think you need to play like hardball, but you just have to be firm in what your expectation is from the company. And you also have to be willing to walk away. I mean, if they're really not good, it really should be a win-win situation for both parties. And if it's not going to be, then it wasn't a good fit. Absolutely. I think with negotiation, for me, it's always uh, offering gratitude for what they already do or what they're yes. offering. And yes. then from there, this is, I appreciate blah, blah, blah. Uh, mm-hmm. But what can you do because of, you know, w- what else can you do? Um, because uh, whether maybe it's a customer setting, whether a credit card, because I've been a great customer for X amount of years, or if it's in a job setting, because I've had X experience, you know, use those leverage key points um, to help you negotiate. But I think offering that gratitude, I appreciate blah, blah, blah. Absolutely. <laughs> and then going it's from so there is, is is so helpful. I know it's helped me a lot. <laughs> so this has been great, Jessica. I uh, think the single ladies listeners are going to get a lot out of it. And so I really, really appreciate this. So as you know, this podcast is all about making money simple and taking control of it. So how would you finish this sentence? Her money matters because. Because it's your life to live. And as a single woman, you have a lot of choices to make. So you do not want to let your spending dictate a life that you don't want to live. Perfect. I love that. Well, Jessica, this has been great. I will be sure to include in the show notes where to find you at because I know they're going to be wanting to <laughs> look at your at your website and connect with your more, read your blog post, all that good stuff. So thanks again for joining me, Jessica. Thank you for having me. She was fabulous, right? I hope that you enjoyed hearing from Jessica as much as I enjoyed talking with her. Now, I had really one big takeaway. I mean, she gave some fabulous information, but there was one key takeaway that I want to chat more about with you. 
Uh, but before that, I wanted to give a quick shout out like I usually do because I love my community and I love to give some recognition to those in the community. So today's shout out goes to Victoria and she's a member of our free Her Money Matters community. Uh, she's been super helpful in sharing the community with others because she loves it and she shares with others, which is oh, fabulous. Uh, she's a great participant. She asks great questions. She was on the webinar recently asking some great questions. Uh, she we we did a Q&A in the Facebook groups and she was in there asking questions as well. So I just wanted to say, Victoria, that I do appreciate you and I enjoy having you in the group. So about today's takeaway from my chat with Jessica. It was about her investment of time. Uh, so remember, or if you recall in our chat, she spoke about how she was building relationships and how that literally paid off for her, meaning she was laid off in 2008. And uh, shortly afterwards, when her severance pay, I think it was, uh, was going to be going away, she was offered a job and it was attributed to some of those relationships uh, that she had built. And now why do I bring this up in a podcast that we talk about money? And the reason why I bring it up, because it is important, those relationships, just building those relationships, it helps not just find you a job or those type of things, but it gives you that confidence. It gives you a uh, you're able to speak better in the sense of, let's say you need to negotiate uh, a better credit card rate. Uh, it gives you that confidence to call up the credit card company and talk with confidence when you're speaking to that representative. There's so many things with relationships, with talking to people and having that confidence. So it wasn't just about building the relationships, but it was about her confidence uh, that, uh, helped her build the relationships as well. And she was, because she wasn't afraid, right? So that helped her get another job, especially at the most critical time when her severance pay was just kind of almost gone, right? So I just want you to keep that in mind uh, about building those relationships, about having that confidence is really what it is, is having that confidence to talk about money, having that confidence uh, to build relationships. There's so many things with confidence, but having that confidence to know that you are going to get things done, that you're going to get your stuff together, what you're going to achieve those goals that you can uh, achieve those goals that you want to achieve, uh, whether it's taking more vacations, whether it's getting out of debt, whether it's making sure that your retirement is funded how you want it to be. There's so many things and confidence really lies at the baseline for that. Uh, you have to have that confidence. And in order to have that confidence, you have to take that action, right? So once you take that action, whether you make a mistake, it doesn't matter. You pick yourself back up and you get to it again. And once you keep doing that, it's going to give you more and more confidence. So that is my little rant. <laughs> that was my takeaway and my little rant off the takeaway that I had uh, with Jessica because notice that she was very confident in how she spoke and what she spoke about. So that is basically a wrap. I appreciate you 
being here again. If you haven't joined us in our community, do so. What's holding you up? We have fun in there. I'd love to have you in there. You can go to jenhempill.com forward slash community. And next week starts the month of September. I cannot believe that. And it's back to school time over here. Yay. I know some of you who have kids already have kids in school, but over here, it's not till September. So we've been waiting patiently. Uh, so next month in the month of September, we're going to be talking about first generation college students, uh, student loans, but we're not just talking about college. We're also talking about kids, uh, teaching kids about money. We're going to be discussing allowance. Uh, is it, you know, how do you handle allowance? Cause that is something that I've struggled with or still struggle with. <laughs> uh, but we're going to talk about that, those things as well. So that is all in September. And I want to thank Jessica for joining us, uh, for sharing your knowledge. I really, really appreciate that. Be sure to go to uh, the show notes on where to find Jessica over at jenhempill.com forward slash 64. So thanks again for joining me today. And I will talk to you next week on Thursday. Thursday.